0: Chapter 10 You're sure this will work? Itan sounded nervous. Samara resisted the urge to roll her eyes. Of course she was not sure. There was no surety in anything, least of all in trying to mount a rebellion against someone who had all the guns and controlled all the cities and the radio frequencies. If Itan wanted sure, he shouldn't have joined the resistance. Yes, was what she said instead. I'm sure. Go put this on the outside wall. The ships that landed here, it turned out, were more heavily defended than they had anticipated. Though they were easily able to work with the technology they had, from radios to basic computers, they didn't know enough to get around the firewalls that protected the big ships. With their hope of embedding a message packet on one of those ships, already risky, for who knew who might find it at the ship's next stop, they needed a change of plans. Samara had recruited ITAN, one of the older members of the Resistance, who had worked in the factories before those were shut down. He knew more about computers than the rest of them put together. He'd made the plan, explaining how they could hack the communications inside the hut to send a message directly out into the ether. There had been groups that had tried to help Emir once, he said, and they'd left drop point coordinates and communications frequencies. They'd gone dark over the years, and the people of Emir had been cut off more and more, but it was a place to start. It had all seemed very hopeful then, until, of course, he had gotten out of the district and onto the road, and then he'd practically turn into Arlen. Should we really be doing this? What if they catch us? Maybe it won't work. It was all Samara could do not to grab him by the collar and shake him while screaming for him to shut up. She told herself that screaming attracted attention, that bodies were hard to hide, and that a sense of caution was a nice counterweight to her own impulsiveness. On the other hand, she really did want to whack some sense into him. She would have thought that by 37, he would have realized that it was die in the resistance or die in the mines. Join the resistance. Die in a more meaningful way than a cave-in. Samara's mouth quirked. It probably wasn't the best slogan, but she'd give anything to see the guard's faces if she painted that on a wall in the district. Itan snuck up to the guard hut and affixed the patched-together little computer to a power coupling on the back of the building. He was shaking and he looked a bit green, but he did it. Samara sighed. He was doing his best, she could see that. He was terrified, and she really should be nicer. You're being very patient, Stefan assured her in an undertone. You haven't yelled at him even once, or stuffed a sock in his mouth. Samara stifled a laugh. Aitan was typing, fiddling with knobs, along the side of the machine, and frowning in concentration as he bent his ear to the speaker. Hello? Hello? He shot them a look and motioned for them to come listen. They piled out of the bushes, all of them grubby and covered in ore dust, none of them caring. In the excitement, Samara didn't think they would mind if a full convoy of guards showed up. For the first time in her life, they were speaking to someone on another planet, someone who might help them. Who is this? a voice was saying as Samara got close enough to hear. We're the resistance on Ymir, she said hastily. We were told to use this frequency. My god, I thought you were all dead. The voice sounded old to her. She pictured someone waiting on a lonely old outpost for their call and decided they probably hadn't done that. They probably did other things as well. What was life on other planets like? Not important. We're not dead, Samar said, and we need to strike soon, but we need weapons soon. For payment, her voice trailed off. They had nothing. We'll discuss payment later. We know there's nothing now, but when the mines are under your control, we'll talk, all right? Right. Samara gulped. She had just promised something she had no right to. How many do you need? Samara counted the district's estimates of how many members were in each cell. A thousand? Fifteen hundred? There was a whistle. All right. Do you have ammunition? Then they heard it. They all heard it. The click that told them the call was being tapped. They might have missed it before in the static. Or the Warlord's men might have been listening the whole time, and they might be coming for them now. Samari yanked the machine off the wall. Run! She waved all of them ahead of her, and as she followed them into the underbrush, she found herself hoping that the guards would show up now and arrest her, because they were only going to crack down now. Arlen was right. She had made it worse. Winston Rooker, known to his friends as Rusty and to the other guards as Rookie, which he hated, stood in the Warlord's office and waited to die. He really, really hadn't wanted to bring this message in. Everyone talked about how the Warlord had a temper. Or, worse, how he didn't. He never really got angry. He didn't yell. He just killed people when they did things like disappoint him. And bringing him a message that said the Resistance had managed to break into one of the guard towers and contact people off-planet to buy weapons was bad enough but Winston couldn't even tell which guard tower it had been. There was no way to know which security cameras to watch, and they had hung up mid-call. So it was worse than just bringing the warlord bad news. Winston was bringing him incomplete bad news. He didn't want to die today. He'd only just started to get proficient in chess, and he'd been thinking lately about settling down with Eliza. He had things to do in life. The warlord looked up from the transcript Winston had provided, and Winston devoted all of his attention to not shitting himself. was fairly sure he was swaying where he stood thank you the warlord said presently winston waited there was a long pause it was coming any moment now his whole world was filled with regret you may go the warlord said finally winston stared dumbly preferably now the man was getting annoyed Winston stumbled as he turned, and walked to the door with absolute certainty that he was going to be shot in the back of the head. When he was out in the corridor, he managed to get four or five steps away before his legs almost gave out. He leaned against the wall, shaking. Talon. Nick stuck her head in the door. Jester has a call for you from Lizadie, says to come to the cockpit. Talon left his quarters in enough of a hurry that he didn't close the door and took the stairs two at a time to the level of the Ariane that held the cockpit. When he got there, he leaned over the seat to stare into the video screen. Lizade, what do you have for me? Something very interesting. Her eyes were alight with possibilities. Very interesting indeed. And just to prepare you, it's not about the warlord. Talon's shoulders slumped. If it's not... A call went out for weapons. Lazady was practically purring. She was so pleased with herself. I maintained contacts in the outer systems, and one of them got a call. It was on an old frequency they'd set up back during the first days of the Resistance. There used to be much more of a movement around it, you know, before everyone started to accept the warlord. Lazady? Oh, fine. In any case, someone on the planet made contact and said they needed 1,500 weapons for an attack on the warlord. Soon, apparently. Talon whistled. You didn't ask for that information, so I won't charge you for it. Lysady raised an eyebrow. But I may call in a favor someday. After this mission, you can have all the favors you want. I'll dance around the Seneca Opera House in a tutu if that's what your heart desires. Talon saw the gleam in her eyes and had the feeling he'd made a terrible mistake. But I'm sure you can think of something better. I'm not sure I can. Lysady gave a smile that was not at all reassuring. And just so you know, I do record all my calls, so don't even think of trying to claim later that you never offered. She hung up, and Talon groaned. Jester was looking off into space, resolutely trying not to laugh. Do not say a word, Talon jabbed a finger at him, and don't even think of laughing until I am out of earshot. Jester made a strangled sort of noise, and he almost made it, Talon had to give him that. The door of Talon's quarters was just sliding shut when Jester's laughter came echoing down the hallways. The call came in on a frequency Elian now reserved for the warlord. He liked to have an idea of who was on the other line before he picked up. He stared at the computer for a moment, trying to compose himself, and then opened the line with a smile. The acquisition is, was it you? The voice was crisp with fury. Elyon froze. When he was a child on Osiris, he had learned to go silent when people came to a discussion already angry. Any word or phrase could make things worse, no matter what the issue at hand was. As a businessman, he'd rarely had cause to regret the habit. I sincerely hope not, he said when the warlord failed to clarify. Whatever he did, even if he seemed flippant, he must not seem afraid but I do not know what you are referring to. I assure you I have not betrayed your confidences, or... The warlord was in a rage, however, and not ready to be placated. Was it you? Were you the one who took the order for weapons? Because one has gone out, and let me tell you, if you think you are going to play both sides of this, you will be very sorry. Elyon's eyebrows shot up. It was not me. And a moment later, someone took a request to supply weapons to Emir. The resistance. Yes, I understood that. Elion remembered who he was speaking to and reined in his temper sharply. However, there are certain rules. I've made certain no one knows you are my client, but no one who traffics in arms should think that Emir is unclaimed. I do not care in the slightest about your petty territorial disputes. The warlord's voice had gone scarily quiet. What I want is for you to shut this down by any means necessary. And I want something more far-reaching than the other weapons I asked for. Nothing's been purchased yet. No, keep that purchase moving forward. But get me something else as well. The warlord was staring at the screen, eyes burning. Get me something that can wipe them all out if I need to. This resistance is a cancer and I will kill the whole workforce if I must to eradicate it. I can replace them all if need be. The call was broken. And Elion stared at the now black screen, willing himself to be calm. He would do this, and he would do it without a single moment of guilt. This was the nature of war. It was constant, it was ugly, and it was always perpetrated by the powerful on the weak. There was no way to escape war. He had seen that on Osiris. Those who thought themselves above the fray were deluded or complicit, and often both at once. The best one could hope for was to become a powerful enough player to control one's own destiny. And this, Elion had done. At least Aaron would not be there when the workforce was exterminated. His fingers tightened. She would be angry. She would grieve, and he already knew he would not be able to make her see the inevitability of all of this. But at least she would be safe. Oh, Samara. Her recklessness really is a double-edged sword, and part of what's heartbreaking is the first chapters show how little training she has to make good on her instincts. She and Talon actually have very similar outlooks on fighting the warlord, but Samara is working with so, so much less, and I hope that fills you with some of the same furious frustration that she has. Meanwhile, we get a peek into the mindset of some of the mercenaries on Ymir, a few of whom we'll see in later books. It really is easy for them to distance themselves from what they're a part of and the sheer magnitude of the difference between their viewpoints and Samara's is really interesting to play with. Lastly, while I don't want to give spoilers, I can assure you that Talon will be forced to make good on that offer to Lizade, and it will be glorious. Things are starting to kick into high gear and I can't wait to see what you think of the next chapter when we see Talon hunting down more information. And we learned something pretty heartbreaking about Aaron's current situation. Until next week!